Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Warning the following show doesn't represent the opinion of the IBL, its employees or the local clown college. I am the supreme irreverend Dr. Randy Tyson, and I took the left at the valley. I know we shouldn't have to scream that we're atheists. You know, we don't have non-astrologers and all that. But with the religious people taking over the world, I mean, we can either speak up or be pushed into a corner. I'm proud of being an atheist, a skeptic, a non-believer, an infidel, a heathen. I call it how I see it. Out of the subterranean super secret cave of CIVL 101.7 FM, this is Left of the Valley. My name is Kevin, and I will be your host today. And I expect a tip. This is a show about positive atheism, secular humanism, and skeptical thinking. Joining me as usual is a team which is, is now a part of your complete breakfast. Or I've fallen down the rabbit hole because I'm late, friend Nancy. That's me. Welcome, everybody. Glad to have you with us today. Our friend Sarah, whose life is the inspiration for Game of Thrones. Hello! <laughs> Tyler, who is so alert that he is color-coded during terrorist attacks. Hey. <laughs> and our friend of Reform, who I was told is the evolved form of Bulbasaur. Absolutely. <laughs> Guys, welcome back. Hello. <laughs> it's going to be a great show as per usual. Anything you guys want to quickly chit-chat about before yeah. we bring in our special guest? Well, actually, we uh, were welcomed by a new theme song today. I know, a new yeah, theme we song. We couldn't put our arms in the air and wave back and forth the way we usually do. It's a bit more do. hip than the last yeah, song we had. Yeah, uh, absolutely. If you, uh, the audience wants to let us know if you like it or not, now we'll uh, do a poll and then we'll make up our mind without listening to you anyway. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what? I was just doing a motorcycle course, believe it or not. Right here at UFV. Right. Yeah. I saw that. I know. I'm taking my class six. You know, I've always had my class one, but what bothers me the most is when you can drive anything on the road but a motorcycle. That just irked me. Yeah. So I'm taking my class six with, uh, class six with uh, V-Twin Motorcycle School by Kevin Johnson there. If you guys want to know, great teacher. Uh, I believe the number is like 826 bike. So It's I, a beautiful day to do it. Oh, totally. So I encourage everybody to do so. Okay. Um... Anything else you guys want to talk about before we go into our usual? Or should I just introduce our, our guest here? Introduce our special guest. Introduce uh, our special guest. Let's do that. <laughs> our special guest is a known activist for marijuana. She is the co-owner of Cannabis Culture Magazine, Pot TV, and a retail store for BC Bud. She's a snappy dresser and snazzy dancer. Welcome, Jody Emery. Yay! Yay. Welcome. I clap for myself. <laughs> Hi. I'm clapping for you. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's, it's, a, it's a pleasure indeed. Um, today we're going to be talking about the whole marijuana thing. And we decided to throw Jody in the lion's den because we're skeptics. And we're not going to go easy on her. But we did give her her own mic, so we'll be fun with that. But before we get to that, let's get into our usual. Nancy, you ready to go? I'm ready. Let's go. Okay, here we go. And it's this day in history. 
which, as we know, is a roundup of those events and individuals that altered and illuminated the days between April the 11th and April 17th. So April the 11th was National Pet Day. So all of you that had pets, I hope you treated them well and they got I have Sarah here for that. <laughs> Sarah's my pet today. I'm his pet human. <laughs> well, we won't, yeah, we won't talk about the kind of treats that make her happy. Yeah, okay. no, right. CIVL does not condone what I just no, said. No, absolutely. Okay, does so, not endorse slavery in any kind. Okay, so back in 1972, there was a smoking deterrent. I mean, this isn't like smoking, what we're going to talk about today. This is such a cute story. Anyway, in 1972, there was this pseudo-cigarette package that produced simulated coughing sounds when the package was picked up. <laughs> and they actually had a U.S. patent. The inventor was this guy named Louis Topple from Chicago. And according to the patent abstract, the simulated coughing noises are produced from a battery-driven disc recording played through a miniature loudspeaker in the package. And the patent described the production of the sound using a miniaturized record player. Can you believe picking up a sec a cigarette package and hearing <coughs> would, that, would that stop anybody from smoking at any rate that was 1972 moving up to 1976 um, the 11th of April was the day the Apple first was introduced and they were on sale in July of that year for $666.66 and the reason for the price was that Steve Wozniak like repeating digits, and because a one-third markup was for the uh, the five hundred dollar wholesale price, and Wozniak, even though he was an atheist or agnostic, said he was absolutely unaware of any satanic connotations with the number. So it just turned out funny that way. No, it's because it was the devil. <laughs> April thirteenth is New Year's Day in Cambodia and the beginning of National Tattoo Week. So everybody that has a tattoo, lift the uh, offending limb into the air or part into the air. There we go. <clears throat> I, I thought I, I thought I'd get a good reaction to that. Nineteen seventy. There was an explosion uh, during the Apollo 13 mission that led to the, one of the most spectacular rescue missions in history, and it was brought safely back to Earth with Commander... Anybody remember the commander's Jim name? Jim Lowell. Jim Lowell. Anybody remember why he was so famous and what he said? Oh, yeah. I want to give somebody else a chance. There go. Houston, we have a problem. There you go. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> April 14th, New Year's Day in uh, South and Southeastern Asian cultures. And that day was just jam-packed with everything imaginable and unimaginable. So I'll try to work my way through it as quick as I can. The most notable in 1865 was President Abraham Lincoln being assassinated by John Wilkes Booth. Then the British passenger liner, the Titanic, hit an iceberg in the North Atlantic, and then it sunk on the morning of the 15th. But the story that's just the greatest on April the 14th was the four dead in five seconds event <clears throat> that took place in our favorite state, which is... Texas. There you go. This was in El Paso. It included, this is why it's so great, heavily armed vaqueros from Mexico, cattle rustling, a posse, a bar fight, the Texas Rangers, and witnesses. So what could be better than that? A bonus that the marshal who did the shooting had one of the best Western names ever. His name was Dallas Studemeyer. Ooh. <laughs> That's almost John Wayne worthy, huh? 
I know, it's great. <laughs> April 15th was World Art Day, Holocaust Remembrance Day, Tax Day, and Lincoln Death Day. And also in 1931, it was the first walk across America backwards. <laughs> backwards? Backwards. And the guy who walked across America backwards was a guy from Fort Worth again, of course from Texas. Texas. And his name was Plenty Lawrence Wingo. Plenty. And he walked back from <laughs> he walked back from Fort Worth, Texas to Istanbul. He didn't walk back and forth on the boat that that took him there, but he got tied up in Istanbul. They wouldn't let him in, so he came back. Um, in October, he came back on October 24th, 1932, at the age of 36, and documented his voyage and his walk called Around the World Backwards. You did, you did he, plenty of walking. Yeah, plenty of walking. <laughs> he wore out four pair of shoes and wore periscopic glasses that uh, fastened over his ears, and he traveled from New York to Europe and depended entirely on the sale of postcards. <laughs> this is 1932. So he came back. And his wife divorced him. I can't imagine why. <laughs> can't imagine why. She had, all, she had all this backwards. Yeah, but she was actually, going forward. Yeah. <laughs> she went forward with her life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, ring the bell. That was it. Yep, yep. Point for Jody. Believe it or not, um, Plenty is in the Wax Museum, uh, Ripley's greatest uh, museum. The greatest. What believe it or not. Ripley's great. Yeah, believe it or not. April 17th was Women's Day in Gabon, and uh, on that day, Canada adopted the Constitution. And by 1967, Canada didn't have the power to amend its own Constitution. That could only be done by the British Parliament. So the new Constitution was accompanied by the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms, an amending for, uh, formula that would no longer require an appeal to the British Parliament. Always good to end on a high note of something good in Canada. <laughs> so that, dear listeners, brings to a close another passing parade of interesting, mundane, unusual, and occasionally bizarre events that make up this day in history. I just love it how you always end up with occasionally bizarre. <laughs> There's a lot of bizarre stuff happening in history, apparently. There is, but I don't want to make it like a regular thing that we're always bizarre. It's always nice if it breaks up the monotony. You know, bizarre goes very well with this crew. <laughs> I'm uh, afraid you're right. <laughs> all right, news from the Valley. My friend, the reformer, are you ready? I am ready. Let's set you up. Woo! My mic keeps moving. <laughs> Leave the mic alone. Okay, Reformation Report for April 17th, 2016. Oh, by the way, happy birthday. Huh? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I wasn't here last week. It was my birthday. Yeah, that's right. Thanks for, uh, thanks for the presents. <laughs> Not. Um, okay, so You're back welcome. in March 27th, we uh, I kind of spoke about, and this is a very uh, suitable subject, about the Wee Medical Dispensary that opened up in Chilliwack. Are you aware of this story, Jody? I just saw it in this cascade right here. Cool. <laughs> So just plugging the local paper already. Ten days after being shut down by an RCMP raid and a city of Chilliwack, no occupancy notice in the door, Chilliwack's first medical marijuana dispensary opened up again. Customers were coming through the doors of the Wee Medical Dispensary on 5th Avenue on Friday asking about solves, bombs, strains, and how to get membership. The dispensary, which first opened on March 19th, was, before its first day, warned by the city lawyers that it was violating business licensing zones and was fined $1,000 a day. Um, to the society and $500 a day to each of the two building owners. 
After 18 days of opening on April 5th at 5.30 p.m., the store was raided by the RCMP and manager the manager there was arrested and brought to cells. Mayor Sharon Gates said they are in contravention of the criminal code and the city's zoning and licensing bylaws. Basically, they have no place here in the valley. In the wake of that crackdown, the manager uh, broke with the board of directors. However, board member May Joan Liu, while shocked that they were raided, said that this has never happened to any of the other nine dispensaries, and they were vowed to commitment in Chilliwack. She said, we are going to reopen. So on Friday which would have been Friday the uh, 6th, I think it was. They reopened. And, um, yeah, so that's kind of cool. They just don't give a hoot, and they are just kind of moving forward in in, st- in spite of the uh, the opposition from city council and the police. Rage against the machine. Brave, peaceful, civil disobedience. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, this is a, an interesting story. Discrimination in senior care. Now, as we are going to talk about in a different show, there is a there is a need for understanding seniors' care in uh, in Canada because uh, the baby boomers are going to be the highest population of people in the in Canada over the next twenty years, and uh, a seniors' care home has been uh, is going to be built in the Garrison Crossing in Chilliwack. It's been given the green light by the Chilliwack City Council. However. The project has been brought forward by a group called the Elam Housing Society, which is a Christian organization offering a unique campus of care Christian retirement community, which currently has a campus in Surrey. The aging in place complex will include four independent living style apartments, two residential care buildings and one medical facility, which is brilliant. I mean, this is a really good idea for for seniors care. However, the question has come up about the society's strong Christian philosophy something not mentioned at the meeting front and center but it are not something that wasn't mentioned at the meeting but it is front and center on their website um councillor alum said as you know chilliwack is an open and welcoming diverse community (coughs) (laughs) (laughs) consider the last story and and i know that you have a spiritual focus elam is committed and rooted in christian values would anybody be excluded from being able to retire in a place and age in a place such as this wonderful facility the, uh, the manager and owner said the question was not one that they shy away from, nor would they apologize for their Christian values. We all expect, all we expect from our residents is respect for the fundamental pr- principles. A variety of faith backgrounds are welcome in our community. So let's have a look at what they actually say on their website. The mission of Elam uh, Retirement Society is to provide seniors living in Christian community with an enriched quality of life. Their statement of faith says that they believe in one God, eternally existing in three persons, God, Father, God, the Son, and God, the Holy Spirit. They believe in the Old and New Scripture and that the Word of God is the final authority of faith and life. Kind of sounds like like TWU, doesn't it? It sure does. We believe that men and women are created equal in God's eyes and they've been mandated to be stewards. We believe that life is a gift from God and is to be protected at all stages. And that death is the end of life on earth and the transition to a life everlasting in the presence of God. We believe that life should not be terminated prematurely nor extended artificially. And that the end of life decisions should be made by the individual in consultation with his or her family, pastor or physician. Which begs the question, if this is a retirement community that welcomes everybody, would someone who is from the Hindi, Sikh, Baha'i, Buddhist, whatever faith or philosophy you may have... 
would they be welcome there? Are you saying I won't be welcome there? And would they also refuse to give services to, say, a senior couple who wanted to retire there who were from the LGBT community? Those are good questions indeed, right? And if not, where does that fall under the lines of discrimination with the Charter of Rights and Freedom? It's something to think about. Okay, and last but not least, Chilliwack again, because it's such a, it's such a, what did, what did, what did Bastion of say? Hope? He said, yes, yes, we uh, are open and welcoming community. Chilliwack City Council have banned the flying of flags. What? Yep. You can't fly any flags except for the City of Chilliwack flag, the Canadian flag, or the BC flag. So in the past, community uh, groups could come forward. The LGBT community could fly the rainbow flag. The Métis community could fly the Métis flag. And Chilliwack City Council have said, nope, no more. We're not going to be flying any of those flags except for the main flag. Uh, Even the Terry Fox flag will not be flown. Wow, that's kind of harsh. The reason they say is because to eliminate the flying of other flags is to avoid having the city staff forced to make difficult decisions about controversial flags. Something racist, for example. Jody, would you guys like to have one of your flags put up there? My eyes are rolling so hard right now. <laughs> like, oh I wish I had a sound effect for that. <laughs> so even though they've never turned down, uh, never turned anybody away, the question is being asked: Why are they creating a policy when nothing has ever happened that's controversial or racist? Um, one businessman who actually ran for MLA uh, last year said, "Is it because of the rainbow flag? Is that the issue?" In a March 15th meeting, the issue was sent back to staff to consider a community flagpole. So not City Hall flagpole, but a community flagpole where different groups could have their flags raised. Um, So anyway, uh, for some, the issue of stopping proclamation and refusing to fly flags at the City Hall shows a lack of leadership and progress. It has been given no community discussion. And and, And essentially, it's that small town mentality that brings into question whether or not we have a mayor and a council that actually does celebrate diversity because some of their actions that they have, some of the decisions they've made over the last, you know, few months last year really brings that into question. And on top of that, they're probably going to paint the whole uh, city beige. Yeah. So anyway, that's all I have for the Reformation Port today. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. And we'll be right back right after this. What is secular humanism? Critical thinking. Knowledge is freedom. Freedom from ignorance and its offspring, fear. The BC Humanist Association has been active in the Vancouver area for over 25 years. We offer a friendly and welcoming place to make new friends, as well as free educational lectures. We invite you to join us any Sunday at 10 a.m. in the Oak Ridge Senior Centre. Please visit our website for more details, bchumanist.ca. You are listening to CIVL 101.7 FM at the University of the Fraser Valley's Abbotsford campus, serving the surrounding communities of Abbotsford Mission and Chilliwack, British Columbia. Email us at info at CIVL.ca. Follow us on Facebook. Click like on CIVL Radio. Follow CIVL on Twitter at CIVL underscore radio. I'm the Supreme Irreverend Dr. Randy Tyson from the Legion of Reason Diversion. Join me and my co-hosts, Christine Shelska, Twyla, and Nate Phelps, as we explore issues at the intersection of atheism, humanism, and skepticism. 
Topics range from alternative medicine to the interference of religion in public policy. We often have special guests to help us understand the topic du jour. Previous guests include biologist Jerry Coyne, ex-Muslim author Ali Rizvi, philosopher Peter Bogosian, and the late physicist Victor Stanger. You can watch us on the Legion of Reason YouTube channel or subscribe to the audio version through your favorite podcatchers such as iTunes or Stitcher. And don't forget to like the Legion of Reason Facebook page. And we're back. So I guess we've got Jody came in, but we, we should give her a couple of minutes. To, can you give us like the Reader's Digest version of who Jody Emery is? Uh, you got Wikipedia there? <laughs> uh, well, did you smoke something before coming in the studio? or did you uh, Plead the fifth on that. <laughs> anyway. The microphones might smell funny. So, I'm Jody Emery. And my husband is the notorious Prince of Pop, Mark Emery. I moved to Vancouver in 2004. I used to be against marijuana and against legalization and against drugs and drinking and everything fun. Uh, so... <laughs> I came to Vancouver, got involved with activism, ran with the BC Marijuana Party in 2005, and in 2008 at the by-election, I ran with the BC Greens in 2013 and 2009 as well. I've uh, spoken in Parliament, in Washington State Legislature, I've campaigned in the streets, I've occupied Prime Minister Harper's office in Calgary. Oh, I've did, you, done... did you wash yourself really clean yeah, after that? Yeah, you bet it's, I did. <laughs> uh, but I've done a lot of different things. I'm a, um, I'm a pothead, a politician, I'm all sorts of stuff. The princess of pot, whatever you want to call me. Uh, I am an activist for freedom and liberty. Some call me a libertarian. I don't call myself anything at all, but I believe in liberty and freedom in every way. So that's what I fight for. That's who I am. You can look me up at Jody Emery. <laughs> Perfect. That's pretty good. That's a pretty good introduction. Do you have your own website? I've got a website, but I believe it's still my Liberal Party nomination campaign page. But everything I do is at twitter.com slash Jody Emery. I'm commenting constantly with the media. and Once the Liberals debates. have you, you're done. You're they didn't want me. <laughs> they <laughs> did not want me. They said no. But that's all right. They needed some support for endorsing legalization. You know, I'm not partisan. Whoever wants to... Further liberty, I'm behind them. That's cool. So let's put her hair down for a sec. That's what? Put her hair down. Oh, oh that's oh. it. I'm going to get already in. <laughs> <laughs> this is our music theme for Pop Quiz. We have a, oh, pop, quiz. a pop Quiz. And I didn't tell anybody here except for Joey. That were oh, all right. the <laughs> Oh, that's what was on the card. Uh, did, no, you no, no, no. did you give her the answers? Yeah, yeah. Be quiet, you. <laughs> so... Since we're doing on the hemp and marijuana, I thought a nice, cute pop quiz would be fun. You can't look. Sarah's trying to look on my page here. You're part of this quiz, too, dude. I don't have to look. I get all of them wrong anyway, so it doesn't make any difference. (laughs) All right, so what's the earliest mention of hemp in Canada? Is it A, 1609, B, 1710, C, 1876, or D, 1912? 1876. Um, Well, there was no Canada in the first two. Was it 1876? Well, okay, I guess you shouldn't mention, you know, in the, in the region anyway. <laughs> British North America. British North America. Or Nancy, a question, an answer? No, no answer? I'm going to go 1876 and go with the crowd. <laughs> Jody? Well, I, I know the answer, but I also have the answer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to make you look good here. I gave her a card with the answer. 
Should I actually say? <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna throw an A. <laughs> <laughs> it is 1609. Oh. Although Jacques Cartier mentioned hemp with an E growing in Canada, it is Louis Hébert, a friend of Samuel de Champlain, who apparently imported and started harvesting the crop in New France. We've been using hemp as long as mankind has been around. And that's Fun been 6,000 years, according to some. quite a long time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, question two. Hemp was a source of paper until it was replaced by trees by A, the early 1800, B, the late 1800, C, the early 1900, or D, I don't want to play this game anymore. D. Even <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> I, I know it's probably the 1800s, whether it was early or late. I don't know. Yeah, I'm saying B. I think it was the early 1800s. Well, uh, Alistair's got... Uh, sorry. It's <laughs> <laughs> not sorry. Not Alistair. I mean, Tyler, <laughs> Tyler got it right. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I got all excited. <laughs> it was the late, late Got 1800s. his hopes up and just dashed him right in front of him. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Uh, question three. Up until the 1920s, cannabis extracts were used in medicines. Queen Victoria herself was an avid advocate. Even though she fed, she even fed hemp seed to the royal birds. And what year did the mayor of New York, which his name was Fiorello La Guardia, commission a study to the effects and uses of marijuana? One of the most comprehensive studies until today. Is it A. 1901, B. 1922, C. 1938, or D. 1954? 1938. Ooh, our history expert just mentioned 1938. Maybe we should go with that, huh? I'm going to go with 19. I'm going with 1938. Anything else? Anybody yeah, else? Yeah, 19. What was the first one? 1901. 1901. That's what I go for. Tyler? 54. 54. Jody? I know the answer. It's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> it is 1938. Oh. But the report was published in 1944. No, that's because LaGuardia was the mayor during that time. And as a former American, I, that's a date that I, I knew. He would read the funnies on the, paper, funnies on the radio when the paper st uh, struck and they named the airport after him. So okay. once in a lifetime, I get it right. <laughs> so I'm hogging the mic for just a few minutes of extra glory. Okay, and this is going to be an interesting question. When was the very first smoke-in in Vancouver? It might be a surprising answer, too. Is it A, 2001, B, 1999, C, 1986, or D, 1971? 71. Yeah, I agree with 71? him. And you're just reading off the page, aren't you? <laughs> I can't read your writing. <laughs> <laughs> it is 1971. And thank you so much for playing our game. You did not win anything. <laughs> All right. So we're doing uh, marijuana today. And we're, we're doing marijuana today. Well, I mean, yes. We're talking about marijuana today. A skeptical look at marijuana. Now, I just, I just have to do one little thing here, uh, Jody, before I, I, I relinquish the mic to you. Uh, packing the bong. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's just that you know because now we're on you know uh, CIVL, yes, right? We do not endorse that sort of activity. Exactly. So, so I have to read this. Here at CIVL, we pride ourselves in observing the rules set by the CRTC, and thus cannot be bring uh, bring yourself to advocate for a product or service not permitted legal in the land of Her Majesty the Queen. <laughs> But this is Left of the Valley, and we're skeptics. <laughs> and we're going to say it like it is. So we're going ahead with this, like it or not. Fair enough? 
And I have a license, so I can say whatever I want. Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's pass on the mic to everyone. Okay, guys, she's right here. Go at it. Yep, light it up. Okay, I'm going to start. So before the show, we kind of touched on the 420 <laughs> celebration coming up in Vancouver, which is why we decided to do the show today. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the origins of the 420 celebration, how things have changed. You were mentioning before the show about uh, working with the city, the police, blah, blah, blah. And then there's a recent move. So can you kind of give us a little history lesson on that? Well, 420, the number, the time really goes back from the 70s. This is the deadheads on tour. So at 420, you smoke up and it just became code. But April 20th also happens to be 4 slash 20. So Mark Emery, when he started his activism and cannabis business called Hemp BC back in 1994, hired some employees who smoke pot and happen to be deadheads. And they said we should have not just a 420 p.m. smoke, but what if we did the whole day on April 20th? And Mark said, that's outrageous. You can't smoke pot all day in the park. And they said, no, we really want to do it. It would be fun, we think. So he let them get some money to rent some speakers. And at Victory Square down at Cambian Hastings in Vancouver, uh, they had the first smoke-in, and I'm pretty sure that was 1995. Uh, so we've got 20-plus years of history, and it did begin, and it still is, a protest. So it was a bunch of people gathering together, breaking the law publicly, peaceful civil disobedience, smoking pot, and hoping not to get arrested. Uh, there have been arrests and attempts, and something called Hug Power was developed by David Mamo Levine, an amazing activist who's done huge work and even gone to the Supreme Court uh, to fight for liberty he came up with the idea of hugging someone if they're being arrested and if everybody's hugging and you got a big group of people the cops can't really arrest or handcuff a hugging group but you know sometimes the strategy works sometimes it doesn't but over the years more and more people became more brave about selling pot you know not just one guy trying to discreetly sell it too but as we all see it is an enormous event we now have 300 booths many of them are selling marijuana and over the last five years or so as legalization has become popular and made it in the news and media and south of the border very close to this border actually uh, we have a lot of people coming forward and wanting to be involved and at that point the city says you guys are bringing like 30 40,000 people into the core of the city literally shutting down the main arteries in the city and we're a protest, but they'd like us to pay for it. So we actually now have to raise money, which we happily do. We need toilets. We need security. We need first aid. We need radios. We need fences, all sorts of things. We're getting stations for water and for roaches to be put out so we don't dirty up the beach. Basically, this year, we are so huge. After 50,000 people shut down the city last year, we needed to move it from the art gallery grounds. And we're at Sunset Beach. Now, it took a lot of work and a lot of... Uh, campaigning to actually be allowed to go there but if we the cannabis culture pot tv group who organized 420 and always have if we didn't do something the city would see a flood of 50,000 people coming in and it would be chaos so even though we're illegal and we are a protest against prohibition yes we're also a celebration it's a day when we can finally come out and say hey i like pot i'm smoking it i shouldn't be arrested and that's 50,000 could be criminals or could be prisoners gathering together and it's one day when the police can't stop us because the numbers are so big but we've also had to ask for donations to help cover the cost and some vendors say yeah I'd love to support the event some people don't but we can't force anybody it's still a volunteer run passion project about ending prohibition okay so, so question one when they say 420 and you can debunk this I was told it was called 420 and you know the 
the 20th of April and all that. It, I was also told it's a police code. Yeah, like 187 for a murder. It's kind of a rumor, that one. There's actually a lot of different rumors, but that's uh, that one I that's don't know. If, uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Unless there's some cops somewhere who actually just like to use it for fun. I mean. Yeah, because they said, you know, it's a 420s code for marijuana for, somewhere. It's like code for, hey, I got a bag off these kids. Come smoke with me. Okay, so, 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 <laughs> so that's debunked. Yeah. That's our first myth debunked. Excellent. It's also Hitler's birthday, and he was evil, so marijuana is evil, right? Yes, that's oh. exactly. <laughs> so this year, this year you're at, you're at Sunset Beach? Yes. Yeah. And for those people who are out there listening who would like to participate, <coughs> do you have any advice for them? Please bring water and umbrellas or hats. Looking at the forecast, it looks like a pure sunny day, 20, 20 some odd degrees. Um, last year, yes, there were about 60 people who went and got some medical help and were taken to the hospital. Out of 50,000, you know, 60 ain't that bad. Uh, but most of them were treated actually for heat stroke and dehydration because it was unseasonably warm that day. And we actually had so many people. It was so hot. And yeah, some people ate too many edibles, but... The hospital gave them some water and they were all right and far less damage than any weekend night or anything like the fireworks or other events where there's definite harm caused by other legal drugs. Any special guest speakers or anything that you can plug about it? Well, I'll be there. Oh, there we go. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, we do just have performers. We have a lot of um, various acts. We like to keep this as sort of a fun community event where there's a lot of uh, colorful characters and different type of music and we have uh, performers and like circus type acts and all sorts of things because the marijuana industry encompasses um, a lot of people. You've got all sorts of people who really love cannabis for medical reasons or spiritual or therapeutic or, or just because they love it and they all come together and we want to have something for everybody there. It's always been safe too. Well, hold on a second. You saying there are spiritual reasons for marijuana? Oh, absolutely. Oh, boy, are you in the wrong place now. Oh, right. Oh, shoot. I mean, never mind. Scrap that. <laughs> but I, I should mention that, you know, cannabis has been used by a lot of old school religions, um, and that's part of why it's illegal. Well, meditating because, is okay, right? Right. And, and cannabis is used because... A lot of, you know, there's some re organized religion that like to suppress the idea of any more than one God, as mentioned earlier. You know, there are a lot of religions who just believe in the energy and vibration and spirit of plants. And, you know, even First Nations people, just there's spirit and energy and everything. And so cannabis has been used spiritually for people to connect with beyond and and for many people you know when you are a spiritual marijuana user you're not connecting to some god that you worship you're actually connecting to yourself you are your own god you are the one perceiving and experiencing the world but you also exist with other energies doing the same thing and so pot helps people connect but yeah, it's I, pantheism right I, I recommend people look up chris bennett he's a scholar and an author and he has researched uh cannabis and religion he's actually he doesn't believe in god either he's i guess he's an atheist actually or he considers himself maybe like Gnostic. him already that's yeah, what happens when you study religion though exactly. you become an atheist yeah you do and he's found all sorts of fascinating historical sides of cannabis and again let me just note that marijuana is illegal for a lot of reasons and one of them is because it makes you question authority you open up your mind and suddenly you don't trust exactly everything you're told happened to me <laughs> oh yes the authorities are giving you a hard time i bet with this Oh, I've always had a hard time. Even the U.S. government. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess you get 
have a bit of a history with that, don't you? <laughs> yeah, I think I'm on a list somewhere. <laughs> well, I have a bunch of myths that we kind of need to Ooh, yes. tackle here, uh, Kevin. Yeah, of course, not by sure all means. Not sure if you want to look them up or not, but when they told me you were coming on the show and we kind of played devil's advocate back and forth. and Oh, you mean the, uh, with the, 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 the link you said there? Well, no, there's a few of them, actually. There's one from Forbes magazine that uh, shows studies that uh, legalizing marijuana doesn't increase usage of youth. Correct. And that's one of the biggest complaints from people who don't want to see marijuana legalized is they think that teenagers will be you know, smoking it. And I had one person send me a link that says, you know, marijuana hurts teenagers' brains. Great. We're not trying to legalize it for teenagers. They can't drink alcohol either. Exactly. We're not out to, we're not on a, hey, give kids pot campaign. We're saying stop arresting adults and people for pot. Hmm. But, I mean, it's, it's difficult because you have so many people who are still caught up in so much reefer madness. And so we've, we've been lied to for decades. And as I noted before, I used to be against legalization. I believed everything that was said about marijuana being harmful and dangerous. And as soon as I noticed that my pot smoking friends were actually very intelligent and very well informed, I started to question what I had been told and then it made everything kind of fall apart um, questioning authority and questioning the truth and it's like a rabbit hole you start falling deeper and deeper um, but there are a lot of questions about teen use and whether you know it causes schizophrenia or whether you know young people are more inclined to use it if it's legal but the experience of Amsterdam and Portugal which decriminalized all drugs and anywhere where marijuana policy yeah, 14 is years later and yeah. all the negative statistics regarding drugs have actually decreased exactly. in Portugal. It's exactly And true. I uh, also have a Harvard study, I think it's on Psych Central, that basically shows no pot does, cannot give you schizophrenia. If you already have it, it might make it a little bit worse, right. but um, the amount of marijuana use increased in, I think it was Sweden, but schizophrenia did not increase. That's so that's another myth. That's exactly the point. Uh, David Mamma Levine is very active on promoting this, uh, trying to get rid of the myths about young people. There's actually a book he has about um, teens and pot and ex going over all the research. And I share those reports too. And the proof shows that there is no long-term harm. Even chronic teen users of marijuana have no long-term harm. It's true that maybe if you are predisposed to schizophrenia, you might be triggered. But that percentage is so small. And the facts show that the use of marijuana, when it goes up, the rates of schizophrenia do not. Uh, so there's no actual causation uh, in any way or even correlation. Well, hold on a sec. You're saying, you know, even chronic users. Are you saying here right now that... Uh, uh, most users, I'm assuming here, are smokers. Are you saying there would be no effects on the lung whatsoever? I find that difficult to believe. No, I mean, you're you know smoking what, a product nonetheless, right? The long-term effect will be that you are less likely to get cancer. You're not going to get Alzheimer's. And yeah, but you're, you're addicted to Cheetos, <laughs> okay. which, of course, will give you cancer. <laughs> well, we there are a lot of healthy stoners out there. We need to address the Alzheimer's thing and the cancer thing, too, because yeah. I wasn't familiar with it initially, and then I looked it up on PubMed and found a bunch of studies Regarding shrinking tumors or killing cancer cells in rats, like they're actually giving these rats human cancer. It's not mm -hmm. rat cancer or mice cancer. They're it's called Lenny's mouse. They're genetically engineered so they can have not Lenny. human cancer. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Lenny. Yeah, mice and men or whatever, right? So, <laughs> but none of these studies are where they smoking pot. They're taking the THC and all whatever else it is putting it into an extract form and then putting it in like a petri dish with this cancer and it's killing it. Mm -hmm. Same thing with Alzheimer's as they found that I think it's the THC, whatever aspect of marijuana is 
prevents pre- pretty much like the best cure for Alzheimer's that exists out it's there. It's preventative. But yeah. they're not smoking it. Actually, so the, the smoking and cancer, all right, the DEA, the Drug Enforcement Administration in the U.S., uh, assigned Dr. Donald Tashkin to prove that marijuana smoking causes cancer of the lungs. And he was all for it. And he goes and he comes back and he says, holy smokes, let me tell you, it's the exact opposite. In fact, those who smoke cannabis alone have a reduced occurrence of cancer, likelihood of getting cancer. Those who smoke tobacco alone definitely get lung cancer. Those who smoke tobacco and marijuana have a lower rate of cancer than the tobacco smoking only. Yeah, Look that, I posted Donald, a link recently about yeah, that as well. Donald, Dr. Dr. Donald Tashkin, and again, this is the U.S. government asked him to please prove and he proved that he came back with the opposite and it's because cannabis is a vasodilator um it, and tobacco is a constrictor so you know you need oxygen to get through your body and when you have constricted veins um it can cause cancer and cannabis opens your veins it gets oxygen and we're actually seeing if you go online there's a lot of i guess anecdotal cases because it is illegal so it's hard to get real proof um but there are many many people who have been consuming huge amounts of cannabis in the form of oils juices even vaporizing and smoking and they are having their cancer uh disappear and doctors are being blown away by this and the national cancer institute if you go look it up nationalcancer.gov actually has a whole section on all the ways cannabis and cancer. It's I, did, I did look it up, and none of the yeah. studies were them smoking it. It was the extracts that they were using. But you're right about the lung cancer thing. If you just look up uh, Scientific American, large study shows no link between marijuana smoke and lung cancer. Mm-hmm. They did like 2,000 people, and it's a very good, good controlled study. They had... They accounted for alcohol. They accounted for tobacco. Yeah, that Toba- was my next question. I yeah. mean, how much of a sample did they have in that study? I, I mean, we're, well, we're still talking about one study here, right? The study I'm talking about that I posted in our Facebook group, you probably saw that. It was a very, very good study. And it was very comprehensive. And the idea is that marijuana, uh, it may kill the, the cells before they become cancerous. So mm-hmm. I was, we were absolutely amazed and that might be the study that uh, Jody's referring well, to here there are actually a lot of studies and that's what's so frustrating is everyone goes oh I guess we need more research and I'm like you need more research I can go right now to cannabisculture.com and give you decades of research showing that when you take cancer cells and you inject THC into them it kills them they self-destruct it actually programs cancer cells to not uh, grow to not replicate or duplicate or whatever it is they do uh, it actually programs them to die but all your healthy cells now this is the other trip cannabinoids help you grow brain cells google this cannabis grows brain cells google it don't take my word for it go and look it up but you actually build body cells cannabis helps build bone go look this up too broken bones heal faster when cannabinoids are injected into them it's insane what this plant can do well, the and, science and is type, there type pubmed into the end because you can google anything and find anything you right know well I mean, I mean depends I only, on the source i only yeah. i'm not going to share like naturaltherapynews.com <laughs> you know i'm actually like i'm sharing yeah. newsweek or even forbes or whatever people who are taken more seriously although it is the mainstream so well, the, <laughs> the, al- the alzheimer's thing is i was absolutely blown away like i said they're it's not incredible. smoking it but it is still a very versatile do you point. feel that maybe the fact that like, like you said there are studies and if you go to cannabis culture and all that do you feel that if the studies were created by uh, maybe an independent uh, source. Oh, those are independent. I haven't done my own studies. Um, These are all actual um, Israeli uh, medical experts who have been doing it for decades. You've got uh, doctors who have been doing this in 
Spain or uh, in Britain with GW Pharmaceuticals for a while. You've got a lot of different serious researchers. I'm never going to cite a pro pot group when I'm talking about this sort of stuff. I'm only going to go to those who are unbiased and asked to prove with evidence. I mean, I love pot. I love promoting and all that stuff. But I know that, you know, people are skeptical. And that's great. Be skeptical. I am also skeptical. So that's why I go and I find the real story. Well, and you're right, because I looked it up on PubMed. I'm skeptical that smoking it has any benefits, but there's massive benefits to the extracted cannabinoids, THC, whatever. Yeah, well, and if you look at any pot smoker, they're generally healthy. And well, there's another story for you. People who smoke pot regularly have a lower incidence of diabetes and they are a healthier body weight. That's, so. that, that was going to be my question, whether or not when you when you do smoke do you, do you tend to do uh, regular smokers tend to be healthier yes so then the question would be is can you use pot to as a preventive absolutely it's it's completely preventative and especially with respect to alzheimer's you can't really reverse alzheimer's alzheimer's is when um cannabinoid our whole bodies by the way our bodies and brain have cannabinoid receptors and they're designed solely to respond to cannabinoids which come from cannabis and again go look up dr sanjay gupta on cnn go look this up please do the research yourself. I was a disbeliever for so many years and I just, you know, I look at the truth and it tells me what the story is. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to preventing Alzheimer's, it's because your uh, brain, you have a calcification basically over time and cannabis prevents that from happening. So if I go to the doctor and I say, I have a history of Alzheimer's and I'm a senior, um, can I get a card to smoke or have edibles so that it will delay or prevent my Alzheimer's, would that be a legitimate way to be able to use medical marijuana? It absolutely So you got a twinkle legit. in your eye when you say that. <laughs> it's like, yeah. you're begging me. I'm like, I want to say yes to you so bad. Um, it's got a twinkle because I'm, I'm waiting for the answer. Well, and, and that's what's so distressing. You know, I spoke to a doctor from Arizona at a big conference, and he came up to me and said, because I was there speaking about this stuff that I know, and he was speaking about something entirely different, and he came up after and said, have you heard about this Alzheimer's thing? And I say, yes, I have. And he, he goes, I need to get this out there. How do we get the research? The problem is right now, you've got two problems. One is that reefer madness and hysteria and decades of misinformation. I mean, they've told us pot causes cancer and makes your brain shrivel up and die. Well, in fact, it prevents and cures cancer and causes your brain to grow. So we, the exact opposite is true. And many doctors... You know, they're not actual experts in everything. They just went to med school, and most of the work they do is just asking you how you feel, finding a definition for some ailment that they've got a pill in the cupboard for that they were told to use. So Mm. that's not actual expertise anyway. And they don't know about this cannabis medicine. They don't know much about natural, personalized, therapeutic, preventative medicine. That's not Western medicine at all. So many of them won't know, but what you should do is find the actual reports that have all that medical jargon that none of us understand and print that and take it and say, look at this, please just, you are the doctor, you're the expert, you know, feather him up a little, you know, get him, you know, and ask him to read it and say, what do you think of this? And when he's looking at some peer reviewed research out of a real lab, he might not want to give you marijuana, but he's going to go home at night and he's going to be researching that and he's going to have a bit of a trip in his head for a while wondering how he had believed the lies for so long. I hope you can get cannabis though prevented. When you, well, when the, you do the, that, Nancy, don't forget other, to bring the, a brownie. Yeah, the, other, <laughs> the other part of that too is that if someone who has a history of Alzheimer's, I'll, I'll go two different ways. Someone who has either a history of Alzheimer's 
or has had cancer and doesn't want the cancer to come back and you begin to smoke, there's no way to prove a negative. So there's no way to know that you're the, the one who is uh, immune from Alzheimer's, not immune, right. but you're, you're the one that, that uh, it, 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 you don't have it in your DNA and you don't know whether or not you'd be cancer-free without. So how, how, would, how would one go about using that as a, as a tool one way or the other? Right, it's, it is difficult to try yeah. and prove, you know, what if you stop something from happening, how do you prove that you stopped it from happening? It didn't happen. So That's right. I mean, you get a lot of happy hours smoking yeah. and eating, but you, <laughs> you know, feel great. Um, you feel great, but in terms of medical use, well, I would imagine that'd be a difficult thing. It to, is. To it prove. is difficult. I did share a report from a Journal of Alzheimer's. There's an Alzheimer's journal or some uh, one of the official journals of Alzheimer's medicine, and it has a report. Again, if you go to if you Google Jody Emery Twitter, I share all these stories as my little index. Um, so they do have the information, and they're sharing it with people, but it takes a long time for info to get all the way down. I mean, yeah. I, and I wish I, I had the ability to get things moving faster because I also have Alzheimer's in my family history, and, you know, I'm not sick with anything that I know of now. I, you never know until you know, but I hope I don't get Alzheimer's, but I don't want to wait and see. I mean, if eating oranges and eating a healthy diet ensures that in some way or other you're going to be healthier in the future – why not do it? <laughs> I don't know if they would give you a license for that. I mean, may- maybe you guys don't know this, but I'm 100% blind. I went blind at 13 from homemade explosives, actually. Mm-hmm. And then I got my license when I was 18 years old. So, I mean, being blind, it's pretty obvious to get a license, right? So, uh, Let's be clear. You're talking about your marijuana license, yes, not your driver's license. <laughs> <laughs> my marijuana <laughs> <What> license. <so. laughs> You good might point, not. Y- you might not be able to say I have Alzheimer's in my family history, so, and then apply for a license. I'm ninety nine percent sure they would reject you. That's right. That's the sad thing is that it's basically they want to say, hey, you have to be very, very, very sick or dying yeah, before the, we give it to you. I, and if I, isn't I, it maddening? Because if if marijuana is good for those who are at the worst, how can it be bad for those of us who are fine? I, I don't see how <laughs> it matters. Anyways, we go on and on about the medical benefits of marijuana. I would like to see marijuana legal like alcohol. Yeah, there's so many ways. Prohibition marijuana. doesn't work. It well, should well, be used uh, therapeutically, recreationally, medically, preventatively, spiritually. It should be used just, in every way. I'm just going to cut in here, guys, because I, I'm going to say I can't remember if I have Alzheimer's in my family. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but I'm late for a commercial break, so we'll be right back right. after this. If you want to do some good this year and help your fellow humans, check out the Women's Resource Society of the Fraser Valley. The Women's Resource Society is a secular, feminist, non-profit organisation providing help to women and children in Mission and Abbotsford. They have been providing safe refuge for women and children who need shelter as well as support and information since 1984. So if you want to help bring awareness to women, youth and children who are experiencing violence or who are at risk of homelessness or in need of support, check out wrsfv.ca. Again, if you want to donate or get involved, check out wrsfv.ca. You're listening to Left at the Valley on CIVL 101.7 FM. 
source of hatred in the world is religion and organized religion. These Christian apologists are full of And we're back with Jody Emery, the Queen of Seas, the uh, Princess of Power. I'm not exactly sure what title we should be giving you. And last week, last week we were talking about uh, the whole marijuana and hemp thing. How much do you know about the history of uh, why marijuana came to be prohibit, uh, oh. prohi- prohibited? There's a, there are a number of there's a number of reasons actually, and even the name marijuana is uh, one of them. So, marijuana first kind of appeared um, in terms of being smoked and not medical. It appeared uh, with Mexicans bringing it up from, from Mexico, and that was and reefer being smoked by the jazz musicians back in the day, and people were still kind of bigoted and racist, and there were definite racial class divides, and uh, people used marijuana. <laughs> I know, shocking. And people who uh, didn't like marijuana decided to use it to target uh, minority groups. And even today, we have the continuation of slavery um, authorized by the Constitution with the exception of prisoners. They're allowed to be slaves. So you have a huge number of minorities uh, in prison for drug offenses. And that was just to continue keeping a certain class of people working for another class of people. And you've got private for-profit prisons. You've got judges accepting bribes in order to sentence people. You've got lobbying groups. You've got giant corporations using prisoner labor. You've got the U.S. military using drug war prisoners to create their military goods so they can go overseas. (laughs) I love when he does that. And so, you know, there's this whole um, keeping people down. And then, you know, when marijuana resurged in the 60s and 70s, it was, you know, you started to fuel this anti-war sentiment, this idea of, hey, we're all one, like peace, love, and all that stereotypical hippie stuff. But that's because it was true. It was making people question authority and open their mind. And that was a serious threat to authority. So they didn't like that, and the war on drugs was declared. Um, But there's all sorts of different groups. I mean, you have, if you look up Henry Ford... He came up with a hemp car, a car made of hemp composite, because hemp can make everything except glass and metal. So everything in this room that is not glass or metal could be made with hemp and hemp fiber and hemp composite. So he made a hemp car, and there's a great famous photo of Henry Ford swinging a giant sledgehammer, whacking a car, and it bounces right off. I mean, the picture doesn't show you that part, but, you know, it's a photo (laughs) of him swinging the hammer because hemp is the strongest, one of the strongest fibers on Earth, and hemp cars could you know, be safe from crashes if they were used with that. But there's I heard it's comparable to bamboo. Well, it grows like crazy. It grows like, you know, like a weed. (laughs) I shouldn't (laughs) say that pun. (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) Uh, But but hemp uh, threatened the plastic industry, and the plastics come from oil. And what's the biggest industry in the world that kind of runs it all? Oil. Mm -hmm. Uh, You've also got paper in the forestry industry and cotton. Cotton definitely was not happy about hemp because hemp can replace cotton. And cotton is incredibly toxic to grow and produce in the ways that we do now. Um, And hemp was used in the founding of America Hemp was mandated uh, during the war effort because it was used for rope and sails. The Declaration of Independence, the flag, jeans. Uh, Even Even George Washington actually grew hemp. Yeah, and he put a little bit of that Indian hemp into his uh, pipe too because they enjoyed to relax because cannabis resin, which is just what you get when you squish up the plant's flowers, it's medicine and it's therapeutic and it's relaxing and it's been used 
for centuries. So you have George Washington smoking hemp, and then you stop prohibition of hemp, and then you end up with Donald Trump. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> have oh, have you seen that uh, Woody Harrelson movie that he narrates? I think it's called The History of Marijuana. I'm not sure how accurate it is. But an, yeah, I remember that one being out on, I was going to say DVD. We used to sell that DVD when uh, people it was years had ago DVDs. That I saw it. <laughs> but he, he basically kind of goes through the history and explains that, yeah, it was the paper, the lumber companies that actually kind of threw money at demonizing marijuana. And they mm-hmm. said, if you smoke marijuana, you'll turn into a rapist murder. Just ridiculous yeah. things like oh. that. No, it's outrageous. Just like if you become an atheist, you become an immoral hedonistic rapist once you question authority man you are in trouble (laughs) so i'm gonna just let's jump on to that the idea of questioning authority so we have a uh, we have a liberal government federal liberal government who came into power based on some of their promises and one of those promises was the legalization of marijuana so how do you see that playing out because they've made a lot of promises as they all do and uh, how many months are we into it now? Was it November when we voted? Mm-hmm. December, October, January. Yeah, so, yeah, so we got like six months in. Um, obviously, were you a part of the, uh, you said you, were, you had some affiliation with the Liberal Party. So can you tell us about where you see that going now? Well, uh, some background history is that I'd like to be nonpartisan. I mean, I've supported the Greens, I've supported Libertarians, the NDP, the Liberals. So some people say I'm a party hopper, but really I'm just, you know, no party represents one idea all the time. And I have many ideas and different parties represent them. Party so hopper is not a bad term <laughs> if you think about it. You <laughs> that know? sounds fun, <laughs> right? Yeah, let's go party yeah. hopping. <laughs> I'll join you. <laughs> sounds like good. Let's, let's do it. So I use political um, pragmatist. That's a good one. Excellent. That's exactly it. Because we want to end prohibition and I don't care which government doesn't. I'm not particularly wed to one Um, but over the years we've been activists and a number of young political advocates who are within the Liberal Party decided to promote the idea of legalization and try and get it uh, put forward at their convention to be voted on to become official policy that's the young liberals of Canada and the young liberals of BC and in Vancouver East I had two members there who asked me to speak at a little event they were having this is like 2011 just a forum about marijuana everybody's wondering about pot what should we do so they had me speak as an activist and more and more people are coming on board and in January 2012, the Liberal Party at the convention, National Convention, voted to put legalization on as official policy. This is not the top brass deciding to do it. This is the grassroots political members making it happen. And Justin Trudeau had voted for mandatory minimums at one point. He had been very hypocritical, admitting he smoked pot as a member of parliament, yet voting for mandatory minimums. And he was not interested in being the pot guy. And, of course, my husband, Mark Henry, didn't make it any easier by telling everyone how they smoke pot together. And Trudeau said no. And then, <laughs> well, that's all out there to look up. But so the liberals got a little nervous about us um, and didn't want to support legalization. But Mark and I were relentlessly pushing it. And so were a lot of Canadians and a lot of people who just want prohibition to end. And this includes anti-pot people who just realize prohibition has failed, including my husband's prosecutor. So the Liberal Party... Supports legalize. Yeah, he came up and sat with me, and we said legalize it together. It was a, with the former BC Attorney General Jeff Plant. Uh, Jeff Plant. So, you know, we've been pretty active, and the Liberal Party decided, you know, you can't stop the people's vote, so it's official policy. They didn't want anything to do with it. But the Conservatives and Harper kept saying the Liberals want to legalize it with the Prince of Pot and the Queen of Pot are selling it to the kids, and so the Liberals were very scared about legalization. But for a full year, you know, I was asked in early twenty. 14 if I wanted to seek the nomination for Vancouver East Libby Davies she's amazing she's been a great friend and ally and I decided sure I'll run against her because I'm not going to beat her but we can both talk about ending prohibition and why it's a nonpartisan issue we all agree 
So I decided to run there as a no-hope riding. The liberals didn't really care because they couldn't care less about that no-hope riding. But suddenly, Libby Davies decided to retire. And then the liberals were like, oh, my God, who's running there? (laughs) So, you know, they decided not to let me get approved for the nomination after a full year of doing a lot of national media and bringing a lot of attention to it. But I didn't really care because that freed me up to open, you know, a second retail store and to be able to focus on activism instead of parroting a party line about oil sands or whatever other topics they want their people to talk about so i was happy with a year of promoting and campaigning and clearly we got the support of the people and we voted harper out got the liberals in but can we clap for getting rid of harper can, yeah that's good harper who harper who stop who you know glad he's gone but the liberals are the liberals and the liberals are not to be trusted <laughs> the government go. is never to be trusted Uh, And the Liberals, you know, their chief financial officer happens to be one of the founders of Tweed, which is one of the legal licensed producers that are looking to have an oligopoly or monopoly type system with the government. Oligopoly, that's good. That's a good one, right? Because they kept saying monopoly and they're like, it's not a monopoly. I'm like, okay, so there's 12 of you. All right. (laughs) You know, (laughs) oligopoly. So um, the Liberals... Unfortunately, like any government, they have a lot of things to do, a lot of things they're working on, and they're going to listen to the quote-unquote experts, which include, apparently, all the experts on prohibition, police, mental health, and those types who are now trying to form legalization policy. So I was at the Liberal Senate Forum on legalization in Parliament, talking to the Liberal Senators, meeting Bill Blair, the former Toronto Police Chief, who is now in charge of the legalization file, and we're just sitting here going, please don't turn 420 into G20, please. You know, like, so uh, because Bill Blair's not, you know, he's got a history. So I met him, though, and I spoke about why we need to legalize it properly. But they have reiterated repeatedly that despite Canadians, thousands, tens of thousands being arrested for pop, despite every nine minutes a Canadian encountering a cop for pot possession, despite $10.5 million in BC alone every year spent on pot possession, Cases, not including trafficking, not including growing. 10.5 million BC tax dollars a year on pot possession. Despite all this waste, despite all this harm and damage, they are going to keep the laws in place. And they don't know when they're going to make it fully legal and they don't know how. Because what they're hearing from are all the former prohibitionists saying here's how to legalize it. And they're listening to all the lobbyists for the giant corporate interests who are interested in having an oligopoly and control over this market. They're listening to them because they have lobbying access. And meanwhile, we grassroots activists and all the patients and the people who built this industry, who made it possible, who got arrested and went to court and got decisions to force Health Canada to allow medical marijuana, we built this city. And they're trying to push us out of it. No you way. You gotta play that song now. There you we go, go, right? Because honestly, there's a lot of people who sacrifice and talking about sacrifice, we're talking real sacrifice, having their homes taken, their kids taken, their ability to travel, losing scholarships, <laughs> being drug tested, you know, being oppressed. We are oppressed. And for what? It's for a plant that's far safer than many legal products. Alcohol. Yeah, if there are worries about the harm then you better get out there and shut down all the hair salons and ski hills and fatty food restaurants at every barbecue because those things are cooking up cancer on a grill. Yeah, they need to ban alcohol or legalize marijuana or shut up. Right. So 
Good question. Hold on, though, Ben. Ben, alcohol. Hold on. <laughs> Even I enjoy some wine now and then. So, you know. But the liberals, I think they're going to take a little too long. And that's why our job right now is to hound them relentlessly right. to continue campaigning. This is not over yet. They want to strictly regulate, restrict, and control. That's not legal. That's the definition of prohibition, isn't it? You need, I don't to, know. <laughs> you need to probably focus on debunking all the myths that people are afraid of. Like I said, teen use does not increase when it's legal. And the other one, if you can look up on Vice, is uh, it's not a gateway drug. Exactly. Where they where they have legalized it, other drugs, heroin, cocaine, whatever, they don't increase. Right. In fact, but that's people, what people are terrified of. People reduce their drug use and alcohol use when they use marijuana. There is actually a you mentioned Forbes earlier. I just shared another story from Forbes where there was a cost analysis or cost savings benefit analysis type document where they found that when you legalize marijuana, you actually save money in the healthcare system because people drink less, they abuse hard drugs less, they behave more safely, and it saves money. So I just shared that recently. You can see that. There's and generates money. It hasn't Colorado, I think it was, generated more money in one year from marijuana. I'm, yeah. I'm guessing it's medicinal only, right? No, it's recreational. Okay, Colorado's right, okay. fully legal for More adults. than alcohol in one year. Yeah, and they're literally building schools. And Colorado taxpayers got checks in the mail because their court their yeah, constitution surplus, right? said yeah we made more money than we expected and so the citizens get that money back well then people might support it a little bit more if they know that these myths of teen use and oh, gateway me. drugs i'm and trying and, and the, this is very scary in the timing because 420 coming up all of the media calling me is all about teens and pot kids and pot young people and pot you know, all and, of this. And yet you and came fear. here to left of the valley. <laughs> yeah. To <laughs> escape that stuff. <laughs> they can't call me right now. I get an hour break. <laughs> yeah, did, did anybody, did anybody read the province this morning? Not Th- there's yet. a point to this. Yeah. Um, on the, uh, opinion page there was a the whole page was devoted to uh, this lovely young lady whose name is Anna Pike and the entire conversation was I gave up pot and I'm much better I'm cleaner I'm healthier oh, I God. see things and it went on and on and on and which was fine mm-hmm. but Good the her. question <laughs> that I have that you may not be able to answer but it just was interesting to me was why was that made an opinion full page in the province? Is that is there something about the timing? Oh, is yes. there something that this is masking? Because it, if someone says, I gave a pot, fine, that's two lines worth of interest. Right. And after that, well, congratulations, live your life. But I, I'm just wondering why the paper wanted to have this particular interview splashed. Well, we, this particular we pod, time. you know, activists, we have fought against lies and misinformation from the police and the firemen and the politicians and the mental health experts and the doctors. They have all been lying nonstop. And the media has helped perpetrate that. I still, I re, or perpetuate it. Sorry, I remember when we would do interviews and it was nonstop doubting and aggression and how dare you promote pot? You know, how dare you talk about about it this way and it was nothing but trying to prevent us from getting our message out and clearly in the last five years or so the marijuana reform movement has made made some gains we've gotten allies from former law enforcement but you know just as I was marching in the streets screaming full of passion about please give us our freedom they're just as passionate our opponents are not going to say 
ah, you're right, we've been lying. Okay, have your fun. No, they're going to fight harder, and nothing fights back more than a trapped animal in a corner, right? They're going to fight. They're going to give all the lies and propaganda they can, and it is stepping up quite a bit. And substantially in the last... We had two years of nobody really cared because we all agreed pot was great, we should legalize it, and then suddenly they've come back in full force, and so I've got a job still. You're talking to a group of atheists. We know what it's (laughs) like to fight a a beast that's trapped in the corner. But you know what? I'm going to play devil's advocate for half a second here. It's over half a second. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, I can understand, you know, um, I can understand industry not wanting marijuana to happen. I can understand politicians. I have a hard time understanding why the police or the fire department would, like you said, lie. Money, money, money. Yeah, but hold on. (laughs) We're, 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 We're getting very close here to delving into the conspiracy theory. Oh, no. No, Christy Clark just promised another, what was it, $35 million to the police for what? Fighting gang violence. What's gang violence about? Drug war, drug territory. So, like, what? That's another, on top of the hundreds of millions of dollars. The police budgets. Do you know how much money they spend on their grow teams and their rips, and their grow rips and all this sort of green team stuff? Go look online at how much police spend on marijuana and you'll see that their budgets are threatened with being cut. And they'll tell you in California and a lot of places where there's reform, the police are very panicky because when you aren't spending millions of dollars sending them after gardens and people and possession and teens on the street and spying on their phones. I mean, marijuana prohibition has allowed police to have, um, you know, warrantless surveillance and to go into people's homes and to seize property without even charging someone. You don't even need to be charged and convicted and tried. And you can have your house taken if they suspect you of growing pot. Like, these are huge money financial groups at stake. And police, what are they spending on, you know, missing and murdered indigenous women? What are they spending on actual crime? Not a whole lot when you compare it to the billions of dollars. And it's not, I'm not joking when I say it's billions of dollars. Don't they make money off, like, if you get caught with possession, you have to pay a ticket? Right. Well, they're they're proposing the idea of a decrim ticket, and it's not out there yet uh, because and police are they have their own discretion. Some of them are going to arrest you, some of them won't. I mean, arrests continue to climb. Thousands of British Columbians get arrested every year for just possession, and that's police spending their time going after them. Do you know how much a police officer costs? I thought there was a rule under like if you get caught with under thirty grams, which is just over an ounce. Obviously, it's all just their own discretion, really. I mean, a, a police officer, if he really wants to go all out, he can give you grief over some basic seeds in a bag like it is all illegal all marijuana is illegal and in fact did you know that books and magazines about marijuana any printed material about pot is illegal under uh, i think it's section 462.2 the criminal code the the law that bans all marijuana books bongs pipes any printed material is punishable by a think it's a $2,000 fine and up to two years in prison. And that's still on the books. You know, Mark Emery fought that back in the 90s in Ontario by smuggling High Times magazine in and selling it and asking to get charged to go to court because he had successfully overturned prohibitions on rap music and on Sunday shopping. And he fought for liberty by breaking laws in a lot of ways. Um, And when marijuana books and magazines he realized were illegal, he tried to get the cops to arrest him, but they knew his tricks. And so they let that one slide. But it's still illegal. Bongs, pipes, all of it. 
still illegal. And this government has a lot of work to do. Well, I'm sure some of the individual police officers, fire department people like Kevin mentioned, they probably also think if we legalize it, then kids are going to use more. And it's a gateway. All the myth. They probably believe it. too. Of course they do. That's what they've been taught. They've been given a book that says that very thing. And so, you know, people believe what they're told unless they're going to be skeptical about it. And like I said, I believed pot was dangerous. I when my friends were smoking pot in high school, I told them they may as well just go kill themselves now because they're just committing suicide by smoking and you know but that's not true it's, it's just those high school true. reunions are kind of awkward now right? <laughs> a little weird <laughs> well, yeah. e- even the story that nancy kind of read when she read it the first thing i thought was imagine you read the the paper and it says i gave up cigarettes or i gave up alcohol okay great they're still legal yeah and and the fact is that you have got all these newspaper media reporters and people who have been against it and they're seeing themselves losing. They're losing. The public opinion is on our side. The science is on our side. And it can make money. Yes, jobs. And Canada kind of needs some money. Let's have THC, not LNG, to get cheesy. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. I'm just going to cut in because i got to go to commercial break. We'll be right back. I knew you and I would do that. Wow. Way to go. Did you know you are now listening to 101.7 Civil Radio? Of course you knew. You are clearly a person of above average intelligence. And for that, we salute you. Hooray for me! If you have any questions or concerns regarding our broadcast or how you can get involved with Civil Radio, please get in touch with us at info at civl.ca. We look forward to hearing your thoughts and opinions. Hooray for Zeidberg! Interested in a particular topic? You ever wonder where we find all this information? The Common Sense Canadian is a forum for critical discussion of the key issues shaping our world today. Water, energy, food security, and how we manage our resources to the public benefit while preserving our environment. So go to commonsensecanadian.ca. It's uncommonly sensible. You are listening to Left at the Valley on CIBL 101.7 FM. And we're back with Jody Emery, who's been incredibly surprising. I mean, I gotta admit, I came in here not hoping to to box you in, but I was going to call you on your crap. Yeah, no, really. please try. And, you know, try to. And, and you know what? You've been so far. You've been like, okay, I'm kind of flabbergasted by your knowledge there. I'm, I'm surprised, and uh, I'm all surprised, pleasantly surprised. Let's just say. Thank you. You really know your stuff. And I, I want to say one more thing. We were just talking about teens and pot, and you know, it's a very difficult thing to try and defend or even touch on that. I hate the topic because, that, but let's just remind parents that a criminal record for pot will do far more long-term harm than marijuana ever could. Really, like kids being unable to get a job, unable to travel. And, you know, there's a sad story about this young girl who was stopped in a park with her friends and a cop over in North Vancouver, and he thought they had pot, but they didn't. But he still wrote down saying suspicion of smoking pot. Well, she did, she was going to go down to the U.S. with her church group. Shame on her, I guess. But, you know, yeah, down, yeah. But to feed See, the homeless. Is dangerous. <laughs> she was going to go to feed the homeless and volunteer and got stopped at the border because there was this so-called incident. She didn't even have pot, wasn't even found, not even charged, but not able to volunteer to feed homeless people because of marijuana. So that's how it's affecting young people. And young people are arrested at a far higher rate than anyone else for marijuana. It's totally discriminatory. Hmm. Okay. Nancy, you had a question? 
Yeah, a little change of pace. So there you were, this <laughs> lovely young lady from Kamloops, and you were against pot, you were against drinking, you were against all of these things, and somehow you landed in Vancouver. <laughs> why, why in the world, if you were against all of these things, did you find yourself at the, at the front door of cannabis culture? And what did you expect when you walked in the door? And then how did that turn out for you? <laughs> this is an interesting story. So yeah, I mean, I'm in Kamloops. It's true. It's uh, the year 2000, 2001. Uh, my best friends, uh, two guys, started smoking pot. One of those guys actually went to work on work for um, one of the prime ministers in the past. Not Harper, good prime minister, but uh, so these are like, you know, cool people. So anyway, they, they smoke pot. I was giving them a hard time about it. I had never had alcohol. I'd never drank. I think I'm 16 at this time. Or maybe, yeah, I'm 16. So my parents went away one night and my friends came over and they were like, hey, we want to, you know, have some beer, some pills in our beer and we want to smoke some weed. And I'm like, okay, whatever. Because at that point I was letting them do their thing but still nagging them about it. Um, but they said, hey, do you want to come up and smoke? Or I, actually, they were going to go smoke in hot box a bathroom, which is where, for those who don't know, you close the door of a small room, you smoke a lot, and it gets you extra high. So that's a hot box. <laughs> a Hawaiian hot box is when you turn on the hot shower and it gets steamy. So they were going to go Hawaiian hot box a bathroom. Towel under and, the door. <laughs> yes. So again, this is high school. We all do ridiculous things. Uh, but I wanted to go <laughs> with them. I wanted to see what this was about. I'm like, okay, I keep giving them a hard time. I better go see how it's done. So I went and I watched them smoke, and then I decided, all right I'll try it too so I did and uh, the music was amazing and everything was fun but I also tried beer for the first time that night alcohol I took some pilsner in a shot glass well, double whammy huh? awful I hated the beer part and I, I really didn't like alcohol that much and I still don't like wine once in a while but but so I smoked pot and I realized all right that was an okay time right and then fast forward a little bit and 9-11 happens and you know that's a pretty significant point in history and there's a lot of news about it and my stupid stoner friends are talking about oil wars and military industrial complex and big money going after you know there's what we might call conspiracy theories but which are actually you know just facts but you know people don't like to talk about those things so uh you hold know on, no, hold on there <laughs> questioning authority you, you, you just you just said you call them just facts? Well, can you specify what you call them just facts here? Uh, the, the, the just facts. Don't, don't tell me 9-11 was an inside job here because we might just have to expel we're, you. We're not going to talk about anything like that. What we're going to talk about is que bono, I think is the word. Who benefits? Um, and when you look at history, there are certain times when a government needs people to behave a certain way and they need to be scared a little. And, you know, the government literally goes and shoots and kills citizens every day with police on the street with guns and use of force every day. I mean, anyway, I don't. What I'm getting at is that 9/11 happens, and I am suddenly questioning um, why about war. I'm questioning about government and what they're telling us versus what it seems to be the fact. I mean, even just like watch Fahrenheit 9/11. You know, Osama bin Laden's family and the Bush family are close. I mean, we all know the big oil companies and we know there's an elite sort of group that runs the world we know that gangsters hang out with politicians we know this the federal the provincial government invited a war criminal from asia into bc and had a red carpet event for him even though he's banned from the united states for using uh, sex crimes and wars and slavery yeah he's welcomed with open arms by the bc premier at a private dinner i mean governments and gangsters are one and the same i'm sorry but i don't i don't want to debate it but let's just say that these guys are all kind of in bed together it's all about making money what was the war criminal's name? 
Uh, I tweeted about it and I wish I could remember he was from, he's from Singapore. Yeah. I yeah. think it's Singapore. <laughs> I wouldn't be able to spell it anyway. There, yeah, yeah and, and because he is low-key and it was only through the Asian news locally. That, that was the brother <laughs> of Thor. <laughs> but, there's, <laughs> there's, but there's a local uh, Asian newspaper that reported on this saying, hey, don't you guys know who this is? Uh, so this is like two years ago we're going. But my point is, smoked pot, my friends were reading Cannabis Culture Magazine and watching Pot TV, and it was looking at all these topics about prisons and government and war and the oil industry and so many different topics that I just started to question more and more. And in fact, my teachers were all stunned because I was a leadership student. I was I loved authority. I loved seeing cops in uniform. I, I you played the Empire Men in uniform, right? You know, yeah, but, but <laughs> you know, you played the Empire music there and I was an original trilogy Star Wars diehard fan and I loved the Empire. They were so orderly and strict and you know and that was the way I was thinking. So imagine smoking pot being like, wait a minute, they were lying about pot? What else are they lying about? Like, oh, no, and down the rabbit hole you go, starting to question everything. And um, that can be kind of dangerous. I'll say I, there was a point in a couple, quite a few years ago, I was watching an Alex Jones documentary. Not that I watch him or anything anymore, but I'm just saying that. Good, he's a moron. Right. I, I, I would agree <laughs> with that now. But the point is, when you the problem with being lied to for so long and then realizing you've been lied to is that... Everything is up for question, and then, but that can be dangerous. Like yeah. once you start, you turn too cynical, right? Right, and you can be, you can question everything so much that you don't believe anything, and then you're almost just kind, you feel insane because you don't know who or what to believe, and so there's a certain point where you got to say, all right, I'm going to step back for a bit and just, you know, allow some things to continue and focus on a smaller area, and for me, that's marijuana prohibition and the drug war. I got a quick question for you. Do you feel that the uh, whole fight for marijuana is not just industry-based, but also maybe the uh, boomer's generation contempt for the hippie? Yes. Yes, there is ah. definitely... Well, um, what an incredibly <laughs> stupid question. <laughs> but, uh, there is this, this, this pushback against those who are perceived as, you know, peace, love, hippie types. I mean, it's... Even I've had that perception, oh, those silly, like, goddess women with their mother earth and all that. You know, you start, you <laughs> kind of feel cheesy, but then I realize I'm sitting there and I'm going, well, scientifically, everything's a molecule and everything's an atom and everything's vibrating. Everything is moving. Everything is vibrations and waves and waves of what? Light waves, sound waves, energy waves. Everything is just energy. So maybe all this talk about crystals and energy and, you know, like a, when you're in a good place by the ocean, there's some nice energy coming off of that as opposed to sitting in a concrete cell. Right. I mean, clearly, if you're in a concrete hey, cell, this or is a nice studio. <laughs> you don't have to bash. Let me out of here. Is what I'm saying. No, <laughs> no but what I'm what I'm getting at is that you know, the the hippie theories and all these ideas about positive energy and just that's kind of real. I mean, if you go walk into a room with a bunch of sad people, you don't even need to be able to like. Actually, I'd like to ask that. Uh, because you are blind, and we're I'm asking the questions here. Yeah. Um, if, if you walked into a room, can you sense? whether it's happy or sad feeling yeah and i actually have a lot of scientific studies regarding intuition and how it works it's basically your subconscious doing calculations you're not aware of so i wouldn't say it's anything you're uh, not picking up on the energy of people like it's what, yeah what is no it? I'm not necessarily energy you don't it's more say like it that way, right? tone of voice and that sort of thing i mean i'm not into all the crystal energy kind of stuff right. but uh, i think one of the things regarding the marijuana that you're talking about with the hippies is that those people are 
atheist communists. Yes. And that's Sorry, <laughs> I have to get that into every show somehow. <laughs> well, but and there is this fear, though, right? That that you're just totally like left wing and you don't like the capitalism or business and you just want everybody to get back to Mother Earth and be a hippie. And I mean, it, so many bad preconceived notions people have out there and these stereotypes that continue. And that's part of what, you know, right now I'm actually wearing flat shoes, but for many, and even jeans, which for years would be unseen because I tried to break that stereotype. I, I tried to be, you know, a professional looking, approachable, politically acceptable type individual where you can come up to me and not feel like I'm going to say, hey man, you know, take this joint. You know, I'm not going to be like that because that's not the kind of cannabis consumer that I am. We were so um, hoping for that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really like Tommy Chong normally. You guys, I so wanted to bring a bag of Cheetos in here. I really I'm do. I'm so faking the professionalism right now. <laughs> I'm going to go outside, put you're on my robe. Have, you're going <laughs> to have to come back on the show so I can debunk all the 9-11 conspiracies and crystals and hippie quantum <laughs> quackery. Okay, well, we're getting off topic here. We got uh, seven minutes left. Uh, my friend, you had a question. Yeah, I did. Um, and I've completely forgotten. <laughs> I, I swear we're not smoking in here. <laughs> yeah, I've, been, I've been coughing in the background the whole time. The Probably comments are terrible. laughing and not us uh, smoking. So the CIBL I think, and not I think um, one, of the, one of the points you, you mentioned was about the cost. I mean, if we look at the, um, the dispensary that was shut down in, in Chilliwack, uh, I mean, the cost for the city to have to go after that dispensary for the court costs, well, the court costs alone to get the fines back. Mm-hmm. You know, we're talking about civil court costs. And then the, the cost of having the RCMP do a raid. And then the paperwork. And then the hours of putting in the paper. Like, what a waste of freaking time. Huge amounts of money. Huge, huge, huge. And when we're talking about legalizing pot, you know, legalizing pot and money, well, there's two different arguments. And one of the things we activists spoke about quite a bit a couple of years ago is re- reminding people that prohibition funds organize crime. And this was kind of the winning argument. We couldn't win over politicians with a pro-pot argument. We had to explain why prohibition is a bad policy. We explained how, you know, it's generating money for organized crime. If it's criminalized, the criminals are benefiting. And you can't really argue that. So the police and everybody, a group like Stop the Violence, they agreed. Okay, fine. Um, You're right. Billions of dollars are going to the underground. We should have that billions of dollars. You know, we won the government over by convincing them. Economic argument. Right. We said, here's all the money you could have instead of the gangsters. And they think that's great. But the other money number is not just the money to be made from selling and producing marijuana it's the money to be saved by legalizing it and we are honestly talking billions of dollars you know 75 percent of all court and law court costs across this country federally 75 percent are on drug cases that's billions of dollars on drug prohibition cases and a huge number of that are marijuana because it's the easiest one to go after and you're always, you know, I always wonder, how come all the cocaine users aren't targeted? You know, there's actual shiploads with bricks of cocaine, probably as big as this studio, coming in to this country all the time. Well, that's a and huge party. It's a huge party. But you know who's using it? People at political parties, people at corporate parties, people who party, people who use that drug, but they're not being targeted. Because they it's, can afford it. Yeah, and it's the low-level fruit that the low-hanging fruit and marijuana prohibition has been used to justify so many arrests and so many invasions of our personal liberty including trying to get people's blood to try and prove that they're dangerous drivers when in fact impairment is proven by performance so you shouldn't have to go digging around their blood to try and prove pot's dangerous yeah that was Um, that was something that i actually i know we've got a few minutes left but that was something that has come up recently is this idea of um police being able to pull someone over and um 
I don't know, charging them or ticketing them because they feel they're under the influence of right. marijuana. It just the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, United States government, they reported they did a whole analysis of all the studies and found that you drivers who use marijuana are no more likely to crash than those who have used no drugs and no alcohol at all. Meaning people who use pot are just as safe as people who have not. And I would like to see that study. No, please go to my Twitter right now. Like honestly, I have the charts, I have the graphs, I have all of the evidence. It's absolutely the truth. And for decades, they've been trying to prove this. And I've got a whole page on cannabis culture from the 70s to the 80s to the 90s to the 2000s. Time and time and time again, the Canadian government, Australian government, German government, UK, they've, report, they've looked into this. National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, N-H-T-S-A. But the truth is out there, to quote one of my old favorite shows. <laughs> I don't doubt that. I think cell phones would be more dangerous. Exactly. And if we're talking about a dangerous driving, again, if you've got to go dig in their veins, you shouldn't have to. You can prove it by performance, whether they're distracted by the noisy kids in the back, the cough syrup they drank earlier, not getting enough sleep, or being in a rage at their boyfriend or girlfriend. People drive dangerously. It's proven demonstrably on the road how they drive. You shouldn't need to go into their blood to try and find marijuana to say, hey, this evil thing is what made you dangerous. And there are no reports of accidents caused by marijuana alone. If marijuana is included, it's alcohol too. And hey, pot stays in your system a long time, so it's also discriminatory because cocaine users are clean just hours later. <laughs> and pot users, you got a month to wait before you might lose yeah, your It's not water-soluble, right? So. right? No, we've got a lot of problems, and there's many more hours we could talk about this. But Google, check out Jody, all the other videos. <laughs> give yourself a plug here. we got two minutes left. Go ahead, plug yourself if people want to learn more about you and what you're doing. I need people to go to legalizepetition.ca. Right now, we have an official petition in Parliament sponsored by Elizabeth May because you need a member of Parliament to sponsor it. This is an official petition asking the government to stop arresting Canadians. You guys, every nine minutes, a cop is harassing a Canadian for pot possession, just possession, every nine minutes. 22,000 Canadians since Trudeau got elected have been charged with pot possession in some way or other. So, you know, this is an offense to Canadians and you need to go to legalizepetition.ca to sign it. But you can find my beautiful photography at instagram.com slash Jody Emery. You can find all my political tweets at twitter.com slash Jody Emery. And all of our news and activism is at cannabisculture.com, pot.tv, and check out 420vancouver.com as well. Thank you, Jody. You've been a wonderful, wonderful guest. Hey, guys, give her Jody some... <laughs> I'm loving. Thank you. You've been fantastic. <laughs> Hope you keep in touch. you got friends here at Left of the Valley for sure. Coming up. What's coming up? Uh, I have us down for a homeless edition next week. Yes. Lo- and then the week after that, we are interviewing Heretic Women from Ontario. Yes, that's right. That's another Canadian podcast. We're actually going to have a Sasquatch hunter coming on the show down the pipe. We also have a uh, Russell Glasser and Tracy Harris from the Atheist Experience all coming down. A lot of great stuff coming down. Oh, and hemp and housing houses for the homeless. Look up hemp housing. You can build waterproof, fireproof, floodproof <laughs> houses with <laughs> hemp. I swear it's true. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial, LLC, member SIPC.